welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Minnesota Golden Gophers 72-67 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall in a game that the Indiana Hoosiers absolutely had to have sitting at 18-11, and 8-10 in conference play with Wisconsin coming up this weekend and the Hoosiers got it. They fell behind 34-32 at the half after a really, really poor stretch of play to end the first half. And I think that had everybody concerned. But the Hoosiers had a great response in the second half, outscoring Minnesota by seven points to get this win. Indiana now 19-11, and 9-10 in conference play, and really sitting in a good position for the NCAA tournament, which we'll talk about as we go through on this edition of the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And for this Banner moment, we're going to go to the 545 mark of the second half. Indiana leading 60-55, to and it had been a second half where even though Indiana was playing better, they would get out to a lead of five or seven points, and then Minnesota would come right back and get it down to two, and they would push it out, and Minnesota would come back. It was kind of a theme of the night. But at this point, with Indiana up five and really just trying to get some kind of momentum, extend that lead a little bit, two guys combined for a huge three-point play. First, Indiana missed a couple of shots, and Joey Brunk hustled for a couple offensive rebounds to keep the play alive. That was one of the stories of the game was, you know, December Joey Brunk returning, the gritty guy, getting offensive rebounds, scoring in the low post. One of his best performances of the Big Ten season, he was huge. So he, you know, gets these two offensive rebounds, taps one out. Rob goes and gets it in the backcourt. He brings it up, gets it to Al Durham, who drives in with his right hand, gets fouled by Oturu. But again, it was one of those plays where Al was driving to score, not to get fouled. He makes it, knocks down the free throw, and Indiana goes ahead 63-55. to I think at that point it was their biggest lead of the second half, and it was a huge play, again, to push that five-point lead out. And it was two guys combining for the play, really three, because Rob Finnessy had a good game too, which we'll talk about. But Bronk and Al Durham you know, really turned it on in the second half. They combined for 18 points. Al Durham also had three assists. They were aggressive. They were tough. And when Indiana really needed someone else to step up alongside Trace Jackson Davis, who had a good game, Al and Joey really brought it. And it was really, really important that they that they did that. That play was obviously huge. And so we tip our caps to those guys. Really important play in the game. Uh, and really, you know, even though Minnesota would, I think they got it back within four, that play really extended it to the point where you started to feel a little bit comfortable. Big, big play in the second half. All right. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad. They remain based in Indianapolis. Huge supporters of our show, huge supporters of IU Athletics. And that's certainly one reason that you should consider checking out homefieldapparel.com. But the most important reason that you should consider checking out Home Field is because their stuff is awesome. Like As we've been telling you, it's really, really comfortable. And if you're going to wear clothing, you want it to feel good. You want to be able to live in it. You want it to be comfortable. And you want it to stay comfortable even after you wear it a lot because if you get a lucky shirt and we get on a run you've got to keep wearing it which means i hope that you're still washing it so i hope those fabrics can hold up and home field apparel fabrics can they're comfortable you know you, as comfortable when you get them out of the bag as they are after you've washed them 10 12 times so they got that covered 
And most importantly, they've got some of the most unique IU logos that you'll find anywhere. So the Bison logo and the old Indiana basketball shoes logo. They just put out this new basketball logo that really looks like a cool kind of like 90s style design that you should check out. I mean, they have over like 30, 35 different IU designs there, football, basketball, whatever your flavor is. Go to homefieldapparel.com, navigate to the Indiana University collection. You will find something for yourself or for the IU fan in your life. And remember that because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. So use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. You will get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. Get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team tonight. That is Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this very important Indiana victory tonight. Yeah, this was one that IU had to have. It was really a, a must-win game for them from an NCAA tournament standpoint. Uh, I do not, I wouldn't say that they're a complete lock at this point. I guess I'll get that uh, part of it out of the way. I think they are inching closer to that, and with a win on Saturday, uh, in my eyes, they definitely would be. But they've they held serve. They they kept themselves in position. I think uh, most people have them on the nine or the ten line at this point. I know. Uh, Lenardi has them as one of the last four in, which is a little bit baffling to me, but, um, so I think that he's not a highly ranked bracketologist. So, well, there's some, some would say that, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I think it was really important for that reason. It keeps open the possibility that IU might be able to play their way out of the Wednesday, uh, of the big 10 tournament that is relying on them winning and pretty losing. I believe at this point, I don't believe there's other or or Michigan getting upset by Nebraska and, and something else happening there. So, yeah. Um, who knows whether those things happen, but at least they, uh, you know, kept that alive potentially. So a uh, big one from that perspective and, and just some moments uh, in the game when they responded well, uh, there were plenty of moments when they didn't respond well and, and let Minnesota get back in the game. It felt like every time I, you would build up a lead, Minnesota would call a timeout and come out and score the next you know four to six points and, uh, and climb right back in it. But I, you did down the stretch. Uh, you mentioned that play from Al, which was really good. Minnesota then cut it to four, uh, but three straight possessions. Justin makes a couple of free throws. Al has another drive off the same uh, same set uh, and curl into the lane that he had before. And Brunk uh, made another nice nice uh, nice play in the post. So it was it was good to see them respond when Minnesota got back close. Um, you did have an answer virtually every time. You'd, you'd certainly love to see them not relax in the way that they did multiple times during the course of the game, uh, but. At this point with this team, I think you got to focus on the result and the result was uh, was positive and was what this team needed to do. And so you move forward, get ready for Wisconsin. Uh, that becomes one you could really remove any doubt about your, um, you know, your NCAA tournament fate by uh, coming out and playing well in that game. And I think the effort will have to be uh, execution, I think, probably better than tonight. I think the effort for the most part was good. Uh, just sometimes when when things got a little lax, controlling dribblers and, and things like that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. You know, look, there, there's a lot of storylines coming out of this game. Do you realize all five Indiana starters were in double figures? Has that happened? Like, outside of November, has that happened all season long? Because I'm looking at the box score, and you see double digits for all five of the guys at the top, and, like, I have to... I feel like my eyes are deceiving me. Um, but, you know, that a credit to those guys. You know, and, and Al was a story, and Joey Brunk was obviously a huge story. Rob Finnessy has 11 points, five assists, six rebounds. His attacking offense in the first half, I thought, was really important. Justin Smith was able to get out in transition. You know, th- there's a lot of storylines in this game. I want to make sure that we don't bury the lead. 
it, which is sometimes easy to do and easy to take for granted when you have a great player. Trace Jackson Davis was really good tonight. And, you know, one of the storylines coming into this game was he's had a foot issue, you know, or a, a, an ankle issue, you know, sprained it in the um, in the Purdue game. It hampered him some against Illinois. He didn't practice a lot. You know, Archie Miller sounded a little ominous about it in the pregame with Don Fisher. But, you know, Trace played 31 minutes. I thought you could tell a few times where it seemed to affect him. But for the most part, he was really active. He ran the court. He finished with 18 points, nine rebounds. He had a couple of steals that were huge. I think both those steals led to buckets, um, you know, going the other way. And obviously, you know, he had some struggles defensively at times against Oturu, but also had some possessions where he really moved his feet well and really, you know, did some good things defensively. And so, you know, all those other guys contributed. This was a full team win. But Indiana got back to Trace kind of being the center of the orbit. You know, he led the team in shots with 12. And I thought what was really interesting is Indiana got him the ball a lot more tonight on the move. It wasn't just, you know, Trace posting up. It was some screen and rolls. It was in transition. It was, you know, there there were some cross screens. It was him getting the ball on the move, not just stationary on the block. And that really seemed to help him and kind of get him into a rhythm before he even got the ball. So I thought, you know, especially given the fact that he's playing a little bit injured, he really toughed it out and played a terrific game tonight. You know, again, 18 points, nine rebounds. Again, you know, the, the numbers jump out. They're not as big as what he did at Minnesota, but I thought his role was just as important tonight as it was then. Yeah, he had a, a number of those. It was the one play. Uh, Al made a really good save on the one end, and Trace basically ran from the baseline. Rob hit him on, in stride, as you mentioned, got a uh, got a layup, I believe, on that. Um, another dunk off of a, uh, a roll to the hoop off a, a pick and roll in the middle. So, uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know whether that was exactly by design just in terms of getting him the ball there as a, in that way as opposed to a straight post-up. Um, but but it was effective for him and maybe the, the foot injury or the ankle injury or whatever the, whatever the issue is, is, is aided by some of that and not having to you know go from more of a stationary position in the post. But um, yeah, he was really, he was really active. He did a good job on the boards. Oturu had a ton of rebounds uh, regardless. And, and another area defensively that I thought Trace did well, uh, IU struggled at times with the, the ball screen defense with Joey hedging out so far. And it really left the other post guy in a position. They gave up a couple baskets in the first half, but the really put the other post guy in a position where you had to stay in the lane and be ready to close out to a corner shooter if you needed to, but you had to be there to protect against Oturu getting that. So they didn't really give up uh, as many easy baskets on that as the game wore on. And I thought he was a guy who did a good job um, playing in the middle there, almost like he was playing the the middle of a back line of a 2-3 zone uh, is kind of what he looked like when he would stand in the lane. And then you know, once the guy got back, he did a good job of, uh, of closing out. Yeah, and you know, and, and the other guy that is definitely worth mentioning here off the top is Rob Finnessy, who I thought his offense early in the game was really important. You know, he was really attacking. And it's something that Ryan and I talked about, you know, on the the Illinois postgame show was how important it is when he's getting into the lane and being aggressive and that, you know, he can be a good finisher um, when he does that. He really did that in the first half. Now, Indiana didn't need him to score as many points in the second half because you had Trace going, you had Joey going, you had Al going. um, And so he didn't, you know, get as many shots up in, in the second half and didn't make his threes tonight. But, you know, five assists. He felt he felt more in control tonight and he played 30 minutes, which I don't know. When's the last time that Rob played 30 minutes? 
um, because I don't I don't feel like that has happened a lot. I'm gonna look here real quick. I'm just stalling. Um, yeah, he, okay, so he played 29 against Illinois, but 25, 27, 24, 21, 26. Then you may say, okay, what's the big deal? Like he played you know 30 minutes. That's a few more minutes. Well, I think his minutes going up is a really important deal for Indiana because it it tells you two things. Number one, you know, if there are any lingering concerns about conditioning or whatever from the injury, him playing more minutes is a good thing. What I think is more important is it shows that you know maybe Archie trusts him a little bit more because to me I think that's why he was struggling to play a lot more minutes in some of those games. But now he's been better, you know, a lot more solid these last couple games, and I think him you know playing some more minutes uh, is part of that. But you know that attacking was really important, and then in the second half um, he had all five of his assists came in the second half. So he only scored four points in the second half, but he really was more of a facilitator and got the team into the offense. And we saw him running some of those pick and rolls. He had that little, you know, that nice little pocket pass to Joey Brunk. And on the defensive end for Rob Finnessy, you know, Marcus Carr, who obviously is a really important player for Minnesota, he played 37 minutes, only scored six points, only got eight shots up, you know, did have five assists. And there were certainly a couple of times where he beat Rob you know, off the dribble, but Indiana was really selling out with that ball screen defense. They were not going to let Marcus Carr get going. And so we'll talk about the defense because it was leaky in other areas, but I thought Rob's two-way game tonight, offensively being that tone setter, getting the team into the offense, especially in the second half, in the first half driving when they needed someone to be aggressive, and then his ability to contain Marcus Carr. This is the guy we talked about in the offseason. You know, like this performance from Rob Finnessy was much closer to what we expected to get most of the season. And if Indiana gets this performance from him, they can keep beating teams. So, again, it, it was a game where a lot of the starters produced, and I thought Rob's performance was really important. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that if you if you take a look at this game and and tell yourself a story that they're hitting their stride toward the end of the season, like I think you can make an argument with Rob based on his play in this game. I think you could say the same about Al and the way that he's played really the last couple games. Um, it, it would be easy to get yourself. Uh, I, I think it's probably hard to get super uh, optimistic about this team at this point, but you could definitely, uh, you could definitely tell yourself a, a good, a good story about what's going to come. But I, I thought what you did, I thought he was aggressive in the first half, um, smartly aggressive, looking for his own offense and being able to get to the rim, uh, challenging, you know, not being afraid of Oturu uh, at the rim and, and challenging him. And then in the second half did turn into a bit more of a facilitator, um, but I thought got them into what they wanted to do, as you mentioned, didn't force things uh, and and took good care of the basketball. I think he had one turnover in the second half, uh, which I believe was on an offensive foul. Uh, they didn't really show a replay of, so I don't yeah. know whether I should complain about it or not. But, uh, you know, but I, I did think you know, some of those sets where they're getting curls to Al, I think they had another one where they got Justin off of a similar action, got him the ball in the middle of the lane. Um, I thought he put guys in positions where they could score without having to do a whole lot after they got the ball, as opposed to um, really putting them in a situation where they got to make a spectacular play. Uh, it was really setting them up to be successful. Uh, and then defensively, as you mentioned, uh, Carr did, he got by him a couple times in the first half, but I think in the second half, he only ended up with four points. I think race, uh, I want to say fouled him on the two free throws that he got. And then, uh, you know, and then he did make one other shot on a drive to the basket, but, Generally speaking, uh, I thought Rob held him in check pretty well, and he's a, a really good guard, uh, a guy who does a lot of what you of what Minnesota needs to get going. And he had zero assists in the second half, so um, yeah. you know credit to as you said, there were some parts of the defense that were not great, but I, I do think they did a good job on him. He's really there. Uh, Oturo is the focal point in terms of getting him the ball, but the guy who makes it all go was uh, was Carr, and I thought Rob was a big part of of being able to bottle him up, at least make things 
difficult for him, make him uncomfortable. Uh, we talk about that so much with this team when when they can make other teams uncomfortable. I thought they did a good job doing that with Carr tonight. You know, it's funny sometimes with these games when you know when the last five six minutes are good and and you feel good coming out because you got the win. It can it can lead you to forget some of the negative things that maybe you experienced during the game. And I don't want to totally ignore those things here as, as we leave this first segment, because, you know, this was in a lot of ways, just a vintage game for this team. You know, we are, what are we, 30 games into the season now, right? 19 and 11. Yep. You know, look, this team is what they are. They are a team. They are a decent team. You could call them a good team if you wanted to competing for an NCAA tournament berth, you know, and competing for kind of the minimum standard for success that we set at the beginning of the season. And that's all good. And I'm pleased about it. And I have macro frustrations about the program, but I'm here to live in the moment with this team game by game and celebrate the wins and get frustrated about the losses, all of those things. Um, So there's more good to talk about from this game. But I think the biggest negative storyline coming out of this game is something that we've seen. Like it is just part of this team's DNA is they cannot sustain good stretches of play. You know, in the first half, they did what they needed to do. They got out, I think, to an 11-4 lead. Minnesota comes back. They push it out to 25-15. Minnesota comes back. Then Minnesota totally, you know, takes over at the end of the first half. And then as I talked about off the top, you know, Indiana pushed out some leads early in the second half. Minnesota came back. Like, it was just, it was back and forth. And look, Minnesota is not Northwestern or Nebraska. In every predictive metric that you look at, Minnesota, despite their bad record, I mean, they're 13-16 now, they have a better efficiency margin than Indiana in Big Ten play, and they're ranked higher in Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, everywhere you look. So they have played better than their record, and they've played a really tough schedule, and I say that because like, they're a, you know, they're a decent team, too. These are two decent teams playing each other. It probably should have been a close game, and it was. But I understand the frustration, and I feel the frustration of folks who look at it, and it's like, man, we're up by 10. Let's put our foot on these guys' throats. And Indiana did it at the very end of the game, and I credit them for that. But where I get a little bit frustrated, Andy, is you know we are now in year three of the Archie Miller era, and this is a program that was supposed to be defensive-oriented and be able to kind of turn on some suffocating D against a decent team at your own place and control games more than it feels like we can control games. So... I don't think it's going to change between now and the end of the season. Like this is just who this team is. And you know, some of the, you know, Rob playing better and some of the things we saw tonight, that's how this team's going to win games and they can, but I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. Like overall that defensively, we are not better to be able to control a game like this more as we go through it. And again, it's just, it's a sign of a decent team, but I think in a larger sense, it's a sign that the vision that Archie Miller had for this program it's still not there. And credit to him for being able to win in other ways, but this defense still isn't where it needs to be. Yeah, there were so many times in this game when it felt like I mean, Minnesota, to me, I, I give them a lot of credit because they bounced back, played really well on the road at Wisconsin after that just rip your heart out loss to Maryland where they just collapsed on the stretch. And you keep kind of watching this team to, you know, they fall under 500. You just think that they're just going to start packing it in. And they, they to their credit, they have not. Uh, but this was a game where if you're IU, they come in, they're reeling from from all this. Like you get up eight, ten points and really push that lead up, you can at least put that thought of of quitting in their head. And every time IU got the the lead, most of my notes are about segments of the game when IU could have pushed the lead further and instead they let them right back in it. I mean, here's one first half. Uh, you know, would it build the built the lead to 10 next four possessions allowed three layups and foul the guy driving to the basket because he'd gotten by him and the lead just completely goes away then 
even in the second half, you know, you get there, you're up five. Minnesota takes a timeout. They get a layup. IU turns it over. They get another drive to the basket, cuts the lead to one. I mean, every time made Richard Patino look like a genius because every time he would take a timeout, IU would relax and they'd come out and score four or six straight points like it was nothing and just drive the ball to the basket. Um, and, and that's the part that's that's frustrating. You know, you you texted um, at at halftime uh, about uh, I got to get the guy's name. I forget what it is. I in, oh yeah, Eden. Eden. Yeah, and an Eden, whatever. Like I only shoot three pointers the whole year, and you give him three wide open looks in the first half. You just some of that's scouting, some of that is scheme, and and you give Minnesota some credit for making IU make decisions to do that. But man, just the the lack of attention to detail at times that could really allow you to pull away uh, in the game is is frustrating. And in that way, uh, as you said, this this team was or this game was a just picture perfect look at what this team is where they can play really well but the whole game was a roller coaster in, in terms of the way it ebbed and flowed and who had the lead and while IU never really fell behind by a substantial amount um, they also never really put themselves ahead by a substantial amount um, you know even you talked about that your banner moment from Al you know IU you know gets up eight it's like can you string together a couple stops just put the game away no you foul immediately on the other end um and and I, you had some empty possessions there and eventually allowed them to cut the lead back to four just multiple times you could have really put the game away and and just didn't do it whether that's toughness killer instinct whatever you want to attribute it to um they, they just couldn't ever create quite enough separation to really let you breathe easy yeah, and look, I, I get it. Like, it can be looked as a little bit of a nitpick after you win, but it's just, you know, if you want to know why this Indiana team, again, despite all the good things that have happened this season, why this team is still likely to play on Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament, that's why, you know, and just given the overall frame of what this coach professed that the program would be and still is moving in that direction, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I think the, the overall trajectory is still good. But I think we all expected the defense to be better than this in March of year three. And so just seeing some of that is frustrating. And, and, and that's the thing is like there's, you know, at the margins, if Indiana can clean a few of those possessions up, you know, with the way that the offense is starting to function better, because look, the offense was terrible against Purdue. But against Illinois, against Minnesota, you know, we're seeing the offense get more movement. We're seeing Al become, you know, a kind of a more consistent part, a guy who can really use screens. We're seeing Rob step up. Like you're starting to see some signs of life from the offense. So if the defense can get better, you know, now you're a team that can start stringing together some wins. So it's just it's from more of a frustration of kind of seeing what the team is capable of at times. And then you see those lapses in focus and, and those lapses in execution. Then it just frustrates you. But, you know, overall, they certainly did enough defensively uh, tonight to win the game. Um, and that's a good thing because it was a game that they absolutely needed to win. But in terms of where this team and this program can keep getting better, that is definitely a place. Anything you want to hit uh, here for a segment before we break and move on? Uh, you know, I, I'll just talk about Al again. I, I know you you mentioned him. You mentioned that 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 big three point play. The the key to that play, we we harped on this after the Purdue game at IU was how hard they cut. I mean, he was for a stretch there where they extended the lead to eight. He was cutting extremely hard and was really really hard to guard. And for a guy like him who's a you know not a top shelf athlete, things like that. Like that's the difference between really being able to create separation and that cut down the lane. I mean, he took one dribble from where he caught it at the elbow and was able to, to get right to the rim uh, and get fouled and did the same thing again, a, a couple minutes later, I just thought he just played with a sense of urgency that, 
given all the stuff we just talked about, at least during that stretch in particular, uh, that I thought was really impressive and something that this team needed. And maybe it shouldn't stand out, but it did. Um, and, and I just thought he was, he seemed really intent on making plays during that stretch and trying to extend the lead and, um, you know, a good second straight game for him, uh, being able to, to do some of those things. And, uh, I, I just thought that was a, a key for IU. If they can get him going to be anywhere near, uh, what he's been these last couple of games on a consistent basis, that really helps alleviate some of the load, gives you a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit and shoot, but also, uh, someone who's shown the ability to be able to put it on the floor and, and move off the ball. So I thought that that stretch from him was really key there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Minnesota, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. Andy will as well. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight some of the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Max. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's five-point victory over Minnesota tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Any time to point out a few meaningful moments that you might have missed. And we might have mentioned this play earlier, but I thought it was really, really important early in the second half. Uh, you know, 17-02 mark. You know, again, Indiana really struggling there at the end of the first half. Uh, and, and, you know, I talked on the halftime report about how this, you know, a game like this is about mentality. You know, against a team like Minnesota, you got to come out with that mentality to just beat them on your home court. And Indiana had it at the beginning of the game. They didn't have it at the end of the first half, but they really brought it to start the second half, which was extremely encouraging to see. And obviously the guys who started uh, and Archie deserve a lot of credit for that. But, you know, it's 35 to 34. Uh, Trace made a you know great defensive play deflecting a pass. And, you know, again, he's going to get lost, you know, a few times on defense uh, as a freshman will. And you saw him struggling a few times to move, but I thought he was really alert tonight and his hands were alert and he got his hands on some passes. And Al made a great hustle play to save the ball from going out of bounds. He gets it to Rob. And then what was really impressive about that play was how Trace ran the floor and was you know going down the right wing. Rob found him. He gets a layup, 37-34. On the next possession then, Joey Bronk gets a great block on Daniel Oturu. That is not a sentence that I expected to say tonight. Uh, but he did. And then Al comes down and drains a three, and it's 40-34. to and right there, I mean, those were Indiana's four best players tonight. You know, Rob, Al, Joey, Trace, and they were all active and alert and ready to make plays. And, you know, that was huge. Now, you know, Minnesota would come back. I think they even got a lead at one point of, you know, 52 to 51 or 53, 52. So it's not like that put it away. But I thought that quick stretch at the start of the second half kind of reestablished control for Indiana after teetering there at the end of the first half. And, you know, for a team that we know can struggle with their mentality a little bit, you know, they showed, I thought, some grit and, and, and a good mentality coming out in the second half to kind of reestablish that. Um, and, you know, as we said, Minnesota would come back, Indiana would have to push it back out again. But that particular stretch was really nice to see uh, at the start of the second half. And then, you know, the other ones that I, that I was going to mention, Andy, 
or a lot of the ones that you mentioned at the end of the first half, uh, you know, in the, in the second half when it was 65-60, you saw Al just running all over the court. And I think, you know, this is the one you were talking about. You're really seeing a lot more of Indiana screening for Al. This is something that we talked about about a month ago. You know, he's a guy who can make shots and he can make plays when he can get going downhill. And Indiana's really putting him in positions, you know, to read screens. And you're seeing him at times fade out to the three-point line. He'll get a shot or he'll curl in. And when he does that, you know, he'll either draw the defense. And we saw once he was able to dump it down to either Trace or Joey, uh, who was cutting down the left side. And other times he'll just drive right to the basket. Like he is a guy when he plays aggressively, can put a lot of pressure on the defense. Uh, And on that particular play, you know, he faded on one, didn't have a shot, goes right back to it, curls on the next one, knifes into the lane for layup 67 to 60. That was another big spot where Indiana had a five point lead. They pushed it out. And, you know, to me, you know, tonight was a tale of two halves for Al Durham in terms of his mentality. He was passive in the first half. In the second half, he came out to attack. That led to assists. That led to points. When Indiana gets that Al Durham, they can be a, you know, they can be a decent offense. They really can be when they get that guy uh, who can be that kind of inside and driving threat. And, and we're seeing them really commit more to getting him in spots where he can be successful with the basketball, which is nice because for about six weeks there, it felt like Indiana was pretty one-dimensional just trying to get it into trace and kind of running actions for the big guys. It's nice to see them really working to get the guards in a position more to get some shots. So those plays really stood out to me in the second half. What stood out to you? Yeah, I would agree. And you know, Some of those sets where they're trying to get guys the ball at the elbow going downhill toward the basket really it's it's not different in the sense that I you still trying to get the ball in the paint, get the ball inside, but it's it's different in terms of the way that they're approaching it. Uh, and and those were successful. We mentioned a couple of plays with Al. Uh, I believe that Justin had one off of a similar uh, action as well. We talked about um, for for me a couple that happened in the first half. I thought Armand Franklin um, did some things that were not great at times, but I thought he did a really good job of pushing the ball up the floor. He got a rebound, pushed it up, uh, got it to Devante for a three early that led uh, that pushed the lead up to eight. Um, he had another rebound where I think he pushed the ball up the floor as well. He w- didn't get the assist, but might have had the uh, hockey assist where he he really was really pushing the ball. So I thought he brought some good spark. Uh, the rotation really tightened up in the second half. The the starters really played the vast majority of the minutes. He got a little bit of uh, Devante, a little bit of uh, of Justin and a little bit of race, but it was um, you know pretty tight rotation in the second half. But I thought Armand had uh, some decent moments there, uh, where he uh, you know where he at least you know doing the things that Archie really uh, wants him to do. And and Justin, another guy we haven't talked about a ton, had a, a decent stretch in, at one point in the second half where uh, Minnesota had cut the lead to one. Justin scored four straight for IU, one on a uh, kind of a duck in where he got a a, a a jump hook, which he's struggled with over the course of the season, but made that one. Uh, and then got a dunk out in transition uh, after a turnover where Al made a really nice pass ahead to him. So kind of a good four-point stretch there. Um, he he was kind of up and down as well, I felt like, over the course of the game. Lost shooters at times, fouled uh, Kausher on the three-pointer late, but also made those clutch free throws, had that stretch that I talked about. Um, it was just kind of, you know, similar to, I'd say the similar things about him that I would about the rest of the team where it was just really uh, up and down where he would gamble for steals at times that led to a three and, um, you know, then come back and make a decent play on the offensive end. So kind of up and down performance from him, but uh, that stretch was kind of important uh, just in terms of having a response when Minnesota cut the lead to to one. You know, one guy that I want to talk about is Devontae Green, who, you know, I actually thought played a pretty decent first half. 
Um, you know, he had five points. He had three assists. I thought he was patient. You know, he only took four shots. I thought they were all pretty good shots, if I if I remember correctly. But he had a nice five point stretch where he made a three. He hit a layup. He was moving. And then I thought in the second half, his play really dropped off. And, you know, not just because he had a quick trigger on a few threes. Like, Devontae needs to do that. And, and this team needs him to take some of those shots. So I'm not as disappointed with that. Um, you know, but I did think, you know, he does have to have some modicum of discretion. You know, and one of those threes was a little bit contested, was too quick. This is actually when it was 52 to 51. Um, and it, you know... It, it, he misses it, and this was after one of Chase Jackson Davis' steals, and then goes down on the other end and gets driven on. You know, really just put up Matador defense. And those are the kinds of plays that frustrate you with Devontae when, you know, a poor offensive play on one end leads to lackadaisical defense on the other end. And, you know, he only got eight minutes in the second half. Uh, what do you play in the first half? You played 10 minutes in the second half. So, you know, you look at, you know, why did Rob get a few of those extra minutes in the second half? You know, those minutes came from where Devontae usually gets them. And I thought it was good of Archie to not play him as much because he just didn't seem quite as good there um, in the second half. And so, you know, you can't you can't have those plays from him on defense, you know, where he just basically gives up a possession because that's a big swing right there. So, you know, we know that we're going to live and die with, you know, with some of the shooting from him. And, you know, some nights he's going to make all these shots and some nights he's not. You know, tonight, eight points, three for eight. Um, but that that stretch from me or, or from him disappointed me a little bit. And this is probably, you know, one of the least effective games he's had, uh, I thought, in the last few overall, despite his strong start in the first half. And so hopefully, you know, come out on Saturday against Wisconsin and certainly in the Big Ten tournament, um, you know, going to need more from him. But... You know, when you get this kind of scoring from Al Durham, when you get this kind of scoring from Joey Brunk, you can absorb Devontae Green not being in, in double figures and still win. So it at least his uh his struggles at least came on a good night when other guys were there to pick up the scoring slack. Yeah, the stretch you you mentioned was, I don't know, about the midway point of the maybe around the midway point of the second half. Yeah, there was a, a ten possession stretch where he turned the ball over once, did make a nice driving layup, but missed three three pointers. I mean, that's just just didn't, and, and I actually felt like in the second half of some of the other games that he'd been a little bit more under control, where it was almost like he would come out in the first half, uh, you know, take a number of shots, see how he was was doing. But I felt like he showed some restraint in the second half at times to to try to make plays for other guys and not really force things. Tonight felt a little bit like the opposite because I'd agree with you. I thought the first half there were, you know, some plays that were not ideal, but it was generally restrained. And then the second half was just reckless um at, at one stretch so um yeah that, that stretch with him was an odd one but yeah i think archie took him out at that point really didn't put him back in till the end you know he missed free throws at the end was one of three down the stretch didn't really matter because you had built up enough of a lead but he's a guy that you want to be able to have on the floor uh, at the end of games to make free throws and just seemed like focused or whatever else the case may be was uh was not really where it needed to be uh with him tonight yeah, you know, and then the other moment that obviously stood out was I don't remember exactly what the score was. Um you'll recall though when Justin tried to get the steal on the out at the top of the key, didn't get it and the guy goes and makes a three. I think we might have been up by 7 at that point. It was like 44 to 37 something like that, and the guy makes a three and that that led to a little bit of a run. You know, it's one of those plays it was it was really good hustle, it was a good idea, 
but you know he didn't complete it. That left the guy wide open for a three. I thought it was a mixed bag from Justin defensively. Like he's always going to have some good possessions defensively because he's strong, he's mobile, and you know when he's you know there and really engaged, he's going to be good. But I thought some of those threes in the first half were just some lackadaisical awareness closeouts from him. Um, and so you know he he got out in transition again and did some good things tonight. Um, but a little bit, a little bit of a mixed bag. Like I thought defensively, whereas I thought some other guys really played, you know, some of the better defense we've seen from them recently. I didn't get that same from Justin Smith, and I think he'll need to be better against Wisconsin uh, if we're going to beat them. Yeah, I mean, you look at I, I referenced a couple of those same plays that you did in terms of of moments, but he did, you know, second half he had six points, but he didn't have any rebounds. Uh, did have one steal. I think they just need more activity from from him on that end. I thought what he did offensively was was fine. Uh his I shot selection that, was good. Like he took that one three that maybe you don't want him to take, but I mean Yeah. I'll give him one of those a game, you know, if he's gonna yeah. if he's gonna be left open. So Yeah, otherwise I thought he did a good job. You know, the free throws he made were off of you know, he didn't settle for a jumper, he drove to the basket, got fouled. Um thought he did some nice things offensively. I think you can live with a performance like this from him offensively. I think defensively though, you've just seen that he's capable again, I I would put him in the same category as his team. Like you've seen what they're capable of. uh, And when you don't see that on a a consistent basis, even within games, uh, it's frustrating. I think that's kind of where you you sit with him because you know what he's, he's capable of defensively. And uh, like you said, Wisconsin will test them uh, even more. I thought there were times that they missed um, cutters. There was a play Devante totally lost his guy. They had a backdoor cut and they just, they just missed it. Didn't look, didn't see it. Uh, but it was a layup if they make the the pass. So I just thought there were times that that IU relaxed. Um, you know, containing dribblers was a, a challenge, as we've talked about for uh, the the majority of the Big Ten season at this point. And uh, and Justin, I think, is a guy who's capable of doing more uh, on that end of the court, or at least doing more and more consistently. And to be fair, you know, Kent mentions in the chat, you know, one of the turning points with nine fifty to go in the second half, IU down one. Uh, Justin, you know, makes a tip, gets a steal. Uh, he ended up missing the layup, but then Rob hustled down and got that offensive rebound and scored, which was a big play, you know, and, and look, you know, Justin can do that. You know, getting two steals is big. You know, it feels like he has the capability to do that every game when he's really active. And again, he tried to get one, you know, going for that, that play at the top of the key. I don't fault him for the effort, um, on a play like that, but I just think it's the consistency that you want to see a little bit more from him. Um, let's talk about some numbers, Andy, you know, Big focuses coming into the game. One of them for Archie Miller was uh, was rebounding. Uh, and overall, uh, Indiana out-rebounds Minnesota by one, 35 to 34. And I thought they really did a nice job on the glass early in the game. Uh, I thought that faded some as the game went on. They gave up 10 offensive rebounds. You know, a few, you know, Daniel Atura had seven offensive rebounds. Some of those were him just getting his own shot uh, back. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was, this is, they're a pretty good rebounding team. And so, you know, if you're going to battle them to a draw on the rebounds, that's fine. I think what was most important for Indiana is that they only turned the ball over 10 times, which was really, really important. Uh, and so Minnesota, you know, they got, uh, points off turnovers. They had, they did have 13 points off turnovers, so they actually converted those uh, into a good amount of points. But only 10 turnovers for Indiana is a good amount. Uh, and Indiana had, you know, 14 assists on the night, which is a good number um, for this Indiana crew. But the other number that jumps out to me, you know, and this kind of hints at, you know, it was, you know, good performance. The second half defense was better. Minnesota helped out with that some. They were 16 for 29 on layups. They were eight of 14 on free throws. You know, so you 
you throw that exact same defensive performance out there, but you know Oturu makes that one dunk, they make a couple of free throws. You know, the, you're looking at this game a little bit differently, and so that's the only point I wanted to make about the defense is some of that leakiness. You know, which I think we all thought would be a little bit tighter at this point in the season. It's there now. You know, again, part of the reason a team misses layups is because you're challenging shots and you're playing hard and you're hustling, and so you give Indiana credit for some of that. Um, but certainly, Minnesota had some unforced errors that you can see right there in the numbers offensively uh, that hurt. And to be fair, Indiana only made nineteen or nine of their uh, seventeen free throws, so they could have you know extended the lead out if they had done a little bit more of that. Um, but those are the numbers that jump out to me. What jumps out to you, Andy? Uh, yeah, you talk about the free throws. I mean, you know, IU did not shoot the three well. They were three of fifteen from three, but they shot sixty-one percent on two. So they were um, they were twenty-seven of forty-four uh, on two-point shots. So uh, that was good. The rebounds you mentioned, Minnesota had I think three offensive rebounds in the first half, seven in the second half. Uh, I do think a decent amount of that was Oturu missing shots and uh, and getting them back on his own, but. Um, yeah, really, I was surprised the final rebounding margin was as close as it was because IU really dominated that, uh, particularly early on. IU gets 52 points in the paint. Uh, again, kind of getting back to to what they want to do. Uh, a lot of that is is defense. If you look at the way Purdue defended IU and how physical they were and uh, all those kinds of things, it made it hard to get the ball where IU wanted to. But you know, IU was able to get the ball into the lane either uh, you know through post-ups, through those curls that we talked about, through just you know drives from from Rob that we mentioned. Um, so that was, that was really important. Just getting back to that, uh, as you go there, uh, those are really the, the big ones. The free throw shooting was, was a struggle. Uh, you had Joey miss all three of his Devontae missed this couple at the end. Rob missed two out of three getting fouled on a three pointer. Um, so some of those things are, uh, are a little frustrating, but turnovers, they really took care of the ball better in the second half. Uh, Minnesota with eight turnovers in the second half, IU with just three. Uh, so that really flipped from what it was, uh, in the first half when, I, you just had some, I think almost every turnover that I can remember in the first half was careless. You had the five second call. You had uh, nearly had another one in the second half um, doing the same thing. Just thought they were just smarter uh, because when they would, would run their offense, they were getting good shots for the, you know, by and large as, as, as evidenced by that two point shooting percentage. Yeah. The last number that I want to talk about is 13. And that's the number of minutes that race Thompson played today. He was also minus 13 when he was on the court. Um, and you know, we always talk about the limitations of plus minus in an individual game, uh, setting, you know, but race is a guy that has typically been very positive in that stat recently. And, and I thought that stat was, I don't think he was that bad, but I thought it was relatively accurate in terms of him struggling with his minutes. You know, and one of the things that we saw when race was really impactful for that stretch of games, you know, from the Iowa game, you know, the first Minnesota game, the Penn State game, he's a guy that was getting blocks and steals. You know, he had six combined against Iowa. He had two combined against Minnesota, two combined against Penn State, four combined against Purdue. The last two games, you know, he's had one steal in each game. So you're seeing a bit less of the disruption uh, from race. And, I, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, dealing with any kind of injury or whatever. Just it seems like he's a little less active. I thought today he was a little bit less adept at stopping dribblers. That's something that we really saw him do a good job of, uh, you know, just being able to challenge guys who were driving him with his body. Today he got driven by a lot. And he seems to be forcing his offense a little bit more. Now, you know, it's only fair to say, you know, uh, he was lauded in the Penn State game for making some really nice post moves. And you want to see him step out, expand his game, start to feel more comfortable out there. And as a young guy does that, you're going to deal with some ups and downs. This is a game where it felt like there were a couple of possessions. There was a stretch in the second half, a really important stretch, 
Um, I don't remember exactly when it came. Um, but you know, we had struggled a little bit offensively and then two straight possessions, you know, ended up with race, getting the ball in the post and not really getting a good shot up. And when you had some other guys going, it felt like the offense probably should be run through, you know, a, a, you know, a different guy at that point in time. But, you know, again, ups and downs from a guy. He's still a really important part of this team. But this was a game where he was not as impactful. But, again, you had a guy like Joey Brunk picking up slack with that activity, getting some of those rebounds, you know, getting that block shot on Oturu that might have been Race Thompson in another game. So that's what good teams do is when some guys struggle, other guys step up. And so Race has been such an important part of this team winning games down the stretch. This was not a very impactful game for him. But, you know, other guys stepped up, and that was a good thing to see. Yeah, I, I, you know, he got a couple fouls again. I think that was a big issue in the Illinois game uh, for him. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think the he was as as poor as the plus minus would indicate. No, I agree. Um, but it did, you know, were were a couple times that uh, I think it was actually after. I don't know if this is the stretch you're mentioning, but it was after Al made that and one to push it to eight. Uh, I think it was Race who actually fouled uh, on the other end and then came down and he took shots on the next two possessions. That may or may not be. Um, yeah, it's when it was sixty-three where, to fifty-nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he, he, you know, gives up the two free throws, comes back, you know, takes a, a difficult shot inside where he didn't really, wasn't really able to, you know, make the, you know, back the guy down. He ended up falling away on one of the shots, and then the other was a, a little bit closer, but kind of struggled. And just he wasn't the guy who had it going at that point. Um, and but but he's going to be continue to be important in a game like tonight, where I think they try to get traced a little bit of extra rest with the, um, you know, the foot injury. And and I think even early in the game, race got a foul or Trace got a foul relatively quickly. So I don't know if that was part rest because of the injury or part I don't want him to get a second foul. But um, you know he sat for a decent amount at that stage of the game, and race was able to come in and, and do some things. So I, I think he becomes th- this was in some ways a, a, a good matchup for Brunk, and that played itself out despite the fact that. Um, you know, how he had played coming into the game. But I think you could at least look at this and say, hey, maybe there's something to be said for, depending upon who he's matched up with, he can do some things in the post. Uh, I think the Wisconsin game is potentially the opposite, uh, just in terms of what they like to do and, and playing their big guys on the outside. I think Joey had a real struggle with Nate Reavers. That game has been forever ago, obviously, but um, you could easily see that being a game where race can really be impactful. He was impactful uh, in the Wisconsin game last year, uh, as we all remember. And so it uh, could just be a matchup thing and, and bounce back. And I think if you can get a good combined performance from he and Joey, you're going to feel pretty good about it. It doesn't necessarily matter where the balance of those points comes from, but if you combine can get a, a, a good showing as a second big inside, then you're going to feel pretty good. And uh, tonight you get, uh, um, you know, two from two from race and uh, and twelve from Joey, and you're going to take fourteen points out of that position anytime you can get it. So, absolutely. Uh, overall, in the aggregate, just view them as as one potentially, and then uh, whatever you get out of that, uh, you know, th- those two guys combined, then that's going to tell a good story for how this team's going to play going forward. Yeah, well said. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls. So many options to choose from tonight. Then we will hit uh, a few other lingering storylines, uh, and then we will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, that big game against Wisconsin on Saturday, and it's time for last call. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. It's Ethan Happ. And I never listen to the assembly call. 
especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, hey, glad you're listening tonight, Ethan. Uh, and you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. You can catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can text IU also to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is IU to 66866. All right, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's very, very important five-point victory over Minnesota tonight to push the Hoosiers to 19 victories on the season. Uh, really helped them you know, feel secure a current position. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, I guess, you know, if you're looking at that's probably the way to say it is you're looking on March 4th and you're looking at the majority of the brackets, you're going to see Indiana in there. You can feel good about that. But obviously, you know, selection Sunday isn't for a while. So there's still work to do and it's going to depend on what other teams do around Indiana. But this was a very, very important win to feel good about where they sit to just make the tournament. And so it's very important that Indiana got that. Andy, let's hand out some game balls. A lot of options tonight. I really feel like there's four ways you could go, and you could make a reasonable argument for all four guys. So who yeah, who are you gonna I, go? I would with? agree. That's a good problem to have. There have been other times yes. when we've had uh, far fewer. It's a great far problem. Fewer to have. legitimate options to uh, to do that. So I would be absolutely fine if, as we move forward, um, that that's how it would go. Um, I, I will. I'll give mine to Joey Brunk. I, I just thought it was kind of an out of nowhere performance and maybe I'm given extra credit for um, being happy to see him get back in, into playing the way that he was uh, when he was really impactful uh, earlier in the season. But I thought he just made a lot of, of baskets at crucial times. Uh, you mentioned that block on Oturu. That, that was um, that was a big one. I, I just thought there were stretches of the game where he was uh, as impactful as he's been at any point during the season, um, which was at this point, based on how he played over the last month, completely unexpected in, in my eyes and the eyes of many. Uh, if you look at um, at things from a plus-minus standpoint, he was plus 17, which is as good as anybody, plus 17 in 28 minutes. Did miss the three free throws, but came up with eight rebounds. Uh, had had a, one or two big ones on that, that play that uh, uh, Al eventually got fouled on where he was able to keep the ball alive. So I, I just thought maybe, a, a I don't know if I'd say sentimental pick at this point, but uh, Definitely one that I thought was uh, out of nowhere, a pleasant surprise and a well-deserved game ball. Archie made some comments after the game, just kind of talked about that he's really a thinker and might have been thinking too much about what he was doing, how he was playing, and um, seemed to just go out and play tonight. There was a a play early in the game when he really avoided contact, missed a shot on a good post-up, and he seemed to, even within the game, bounce back from that and took the ball stronger to the basket and uh, and benefited from that as he went. So I'll give mine to Joey. Like you said, I, I think you could pick any of four guys and uh, you'd get no argument whatsoever for me. Well, the chat mob is definitely going with Joey Brunk. There's no question about it. Almost unanimous, which is somewhat surprising. And I look, I Joey Brunk is a great choice for all the reasons that you just said, Andy. I do. Th- it is grading on a curve a little bit. You know, and I think his production was a lot more in the second half than it was in the first half. Um, but I thought he was really good. Al was obviously very important. You know, they were the guys I chose for the banner moment for a reason. But, you know, to me, I think the two guys that are actually at the top of the list for the game balls are Trace and Rob, because I thought Trace and Rob were the guys who brought it both halves. And even though Indiana's first half was forgettable, at least in terms of the last eight minutes, the first 12 minutes of how they played was important. And I thought Trace and, and Rob really got them off to a good start. And so I, I, to me, those are the two guys that I would pick. And I, you know, I'm going to go with Trace. And I know it's a little bit of a cop out. I get it to go with the best player and the guy who's always scoring the points. But given the fact that he's been battling through 
an injury and to play as many minutes as he did and to play hard. You know, th- this wasn't just Trace going out there and out talenting people. He played hard tonight. He ran the floor. And so, you know, as much as Joey did that, Trace was right there doing it too. And even more important for me, you know, we came on here after the Illinois game. We criticized him. We criticized the coaching staff for him only having nine shots. Tonight, he had 12 shots. You know, he made eight of them. And you might say, well, is that that big of a difference? You know, the, the difference between nine and 12 shots? I think if Trace finds a way to get 12 shots in the Illinois game, we win that game. You know, that's how important I think it is that he be that focal point of the offense. And it was great that, that they did some different things to get him the ball, that he, you know, was hustling in, in transition opportunities to get scores. So, you know, he is so important to what this team does. And I, I don't want to take it for granted just because he's that talented. But I thought from opening tip, to the end of the game, you know, he didn't need to improve and play better in the second half. He brought it in the second half just like he did in the first half. And that rock of production is so important for a team that kind of struggles with it. So I, I thumbs up everybody who said Bronk. I get it if you want to say Al Durham. Um, but to me, Rob and Trace were the two most important guys for what they did in both halves. And Trace is a guy that I'm going to go with for the game ball. That said, you know, the chat mob gets to break ties. And so it'll go to Joey Bronk. Um, because the chat mob uh, agreed with you, Andy. So I just, but I wanted to get my vote in there for Trace. No, I think that's, I think that's totally fair. I, I probably would have, my second choice would have been Rob, um, you know, did a little bit of everything, as we said, was aggressive offensively in the first half uh, and, and was a bit more of a playmaker facilitator in the second, but, you know, eight points uh, or five assists, six rebounds and, uh, and 10 points, I believe, uh, 11 points, sorry. Um, just thought it was a really solid game from him. And if you spin it forward to, if you can get consistent performances like that from Rob, it goes a long way toward this team uh, playing well. Cause I thought he did a lot of the things that like, like you said earlier in the show, that this was more like what we expected from him. Um, but less like what we've actually gotten for, for the most part. So um, I thought it was a, a solid performance from him. So he would have been my second choice, but yeah, nothing wrong with trace. Ken Palm agrees with you for what it's worth. He was the, uh, he was the game MVP because he had a 140 offensive rating, which is which is rather good. Man, he, I gotta, I need to go add it up. He's got a lot of those now. He may be challenging Cody Zeller for freshman year uh, Ken Palm MVP awards. I'm gonna have to go. I'll, I'll go. I'll go look for that. We'll do some research. Um, the uh, only he's other at, he's at a, he's at 11 right now. If I did the quick math here, so that's pretty darn good. Um, the only other, the only other things that we really haven't talked about this it was a forgettable night for the bench you know we talked about race we talked about Devonte uh, Jerome and Duran did not really do much of anything uh, when they got in there you know Jerome had a turnover right when he got in in the first half Archie immediately yanked him he played a little more in the second half but didn't know what he was supposed to do on a big possession down the stretch so you know he had nothing but a couple of turnovers so not the kind of game you want from Jerome and. Duran just really wasn't able to get going there in the first half. I, I did think Armand had some nice minutes in the first half. He was aggressive, got the ball out in transition, got some rebounds. We didn't see him in the second half, which has kind of become the thing. Um, the only other, I, I think, Duran did teach us that you can have another human jump up and land on your back and not be called for a foul. So yeah. you cannot say he taught us nothing or we learned nothing from him over the course of the game. But yeah, it was yeah. a relatively forgettable game from the the bench guys for sure. And the only other thing, you know, I think from a decision-making perspective, you know, we've seen at the end of a lot of first halves, Archie sitting Rob, you know, again, whether that's for rest, whether that's because he just wants to play the other guys for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, he was sitting at the, I think he sat for the final couple minutes of the first half when Indiana lost their lead. And that's one of those questions, given how Rob was playing in this game, 
you know, you wonder, is that a scripted thing? Because we've seen it. You know, that that's of all the kind of decisions and lineup decisions, that's the one stretch where it's like, boy, you'd kind of like to see how the rest of that would have played out with Rob out there because he was such a steady hand tonight. So that's really my only kind of nitpick from a game flow, you know, wire, you know, lineup, you know, type question. Um, but but something that we've kind of seen and, you know, in other halves, it hasn't been something that has seemed like it's maybe made the biggest deal because Rob hasn't been playing as well. Uh, but today he was. So I'll yeah, it looked like that out there. yeah, it looked like he went out at the one twenty five mark if I'm if the substitutions in the box score. Right, All right so maybe it wasn't play as much time as I thought. Yeah, I don't know that it was, but I I think almost every possession down the stretch, Minnesota scored. I think it was eleven three in that last segment of the half, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, going into the locker room. So I think that's I think that's fair. I think um, the only other substitution I, I talked a little bit earlier about Trace, maybe you know, not not really understanding for sure why he went out as early as he did in the first half. Uh, was a bit earlier than usual. It felt like, but again, I don't know whether that was that injury re- injury related. injury related or didn't want him to get a second foul. I'm not really sure about that, but uh, yeah, I thought generally the rotations made more sense. We talked about it tightening up a lot in the second half. Really, the starters played. I think ever all the starters played at least 16 minutes in the second half. I want to say, yeah, um, and I think that was warranted based on how they had uh, how they had played over the the rest of the game. So I thought that part once it got to crunch time things had sorted themselves out pretty well and the coaches rode with uh the the guys who had uh played the best over the course of the game always important to mention too that we have like you know 20 percent of the information that these decisions are based on because we don't see guys practice we don't know what injuries (laughs) you know we don't could be high so it's fair yeah so i mean we, we fully acknowledge that as we question these decisions uh you know we we understand that. Uh, so we have we have kind of some breaking news here on the post game show. We this is usually something that's only done on Thursdays, but we actually have a mediocre question for the post game show. Oh boy, it's not that good. That's right. But it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. Jay was lambasting me in the chat for not going over to Twitter and checking out this mediocre question. I guess he didn't think that I had anything going on here at the at the moment, but he did do a nice job of you don't putting, have your putting notifications turned on on your phone for any time <laughs> that he uh, tweets at the account. Uh, that but he, does but feel he put like it in the chat for now us. That we mentioned it. Yeah, he put it in the chat for us. It is a mediocre question, so we'll get to it. He says, has Indiana turned a corner in terms of consistent effort? Five good games in a row. Assuming that's the case, how many more wins does IU get this season? I think it's pretty easy to answer that question in the affirmative. Um and I think it's easy to do so because we saw it for two road games. That that's what you know. You expect it for no three road games actually because the first the the Minnesota game was a road game. So you know that Michigan game was very forgettable, but they played much better and beat Minnesota by twelve. You know they come home beat Penn State by eight. Obviously the Purdue game was a horrible offensive performance, but they played well defensively. They play hard, Illinois. You know so I think it's they, this is probably you know, the best five game stretch they've had of just really consistently. And, and to me, again, it's not as much effort. I think effort is a byproduct of their buy-in with what they're doing. So that's what I think we're seeing a little bit more as a team that's on the same page, more connected with the coach, more, more connected with what they're doing. And so when things go bad, you know, when they have these bad stretches, like we talk about today, you know, it's a positive that they're not they're not lasting so much longer. The offensive droughts aren't lasting so much longer. The runs by the other team aren't lasting so much longer because it feels like they have more of a rudder. They have more of a foundation to fall back on. So I say yes. Um, and I'll turn it over to you. I'm assuming that you agree. And if that's the case, what do you see kind of down the stretch for what this team is capable of? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking at some of the efficiency numbers over the that stretch of games that you're talking about. And and if you look from a defensive standpoint, which is, I think, really where with this team, the effort has shown up um, for, for the most part. I, I just don't know that this team's good enough offensively to really hang your hat on a whole lot that you draw from those numbers. But if you look at that first Minnesota game, uh, at least on the way it is on Ken Palm, if you got, you know, uh, 0.83 points per possession, Penn State 0.86, Purdue 0.88. Uh, I will not read to everyone what the offensive number was in that. Illinois 1.06. They've got some some talented guys, even though they they don't tend to be super efficient offensively. And tonight, uh, you know, 0.99. So if if you look at it that way, that's four out of those five games that you've held the other team under a point per possession, which for this team, the way this team plays offensively, they're not going to be able to survive too many games when they give up more than a point per possession. That's just the reality of the limitations of of what this team can do offensively. But I, I do think that to me is the best place to look at it. Cause when this team has just rolled over, that has manifested itself by the other team, just lighting them up and scoring at will uh, over the course of the game. So I do think that's positive. The second part of the question is uh, a, a little bit dependent upon um, what happens in the, you know, the seeding of the big 10 tournament. If, if IU does end up the 11 seed uh, you would presumably play Nebraska unless, uh, unless they get another win since Northwestern swept them over the course of the season. I, I think that you'd, you'd have to feel like that's a win. Although with, I use checkered big 10 tournament uh, history, nothing can be taken for granted there. Um, Don't change. I think it. they're, they're, I think they're playing well enough uh, to be able to, to challenge Wisconsin at home. Um, but again, to predict a whole bunch of wins for this team in the big 10 tournament without really having a great handle on who they would play next in those scenarios because of how clustered the teams are. Um, I think you'd feel good if they could win a couple more games one way or another, even if they lost to Wisconsin, won two games in the Big Ten tournament. I think you'd feel pretty good if you um, beat Wisconsin. You know, maybe you stay out of the the, the Wednesday games and um, give yourself a chance there. I, I guess I'll say two to answer that question, but it's a, a little bit tough to gauge without seeing the draw yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, for that to happen, Indiana not only has to beat Wisconsin, but Purdue has to lose at home to Rutgers, which... You know, like it is very likely that Indiana is going to play Wednesday. Noted, noted great road team yes. Rutgers, that is, uh, you know, yeah, they're due on the road. Some would say I, we'll talk about this more tomorrow night. Like, is there there's, is there any there's no positive like bracketology thing, right, for playing in the Wednesday game? Like, it's basically you're not going to get any credit for it. Yeah, you really don't get credit. It's not if if one of those teams was good enough to make that a quad two win, you could maybe give your talk yourself into getting a little bit of credit for it because it's a neutral court game. But the other team's got to be in the top 100 in the net uh, for it to be a quad two game. So, yeah, to me, there's really no uh, there, there's no benefit from a seating standpoint. Yes, it's racking up another win. Um, I don't know that that is, is a huge factor at this point for this team, given um, given what they've done, it does give them another neutral court would give them another neutral court win today. They've got, you know, four road neutrals, um, between those. So in, in that regard could be a little bit important. And, and, you know, the other thing, this is, this team is not going to run through the big 10 tournament and win five games in five days or whatever it would be in order to do that. But you, you do see in some cases, this is me trying to be way overly optimistic where some of the teams that play earlier, they can get into a little bit of a rhythm and and maybe able to be playing well on that second day or third game because you've gotten into a little bit of rhythm versus, you know, playing somebody who's been sitting around and hasn't done that. Um, so maybe it gives you a, a, something there that, that propels you to play well in the Thursday game, but uh, I feel like I'm grasping a little bit there, but there's definitely from a Short answer from bracketology perspective, absolutely nothing to be gained, only something to be lost in that scenario. 
Uh, it's always funny and sad seeing IU fans try to conjure up reasons for optimism for the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> but one of these years, good things are going to happen in the Big Ten tournament, you know? I one mean, what the, better way, way to finish a really inconsistent season than to finish by playing Wisconsin and then heading to the Big Ten tournament to, know. you know, multiple layers of hell for IU fans. So it, it is it is fair to say, you know, as Jay says, I would rather play Nebraska and then Iowa than start with Michigan. And that's fair. Like that path could be better. Look, we'll just we will take what comes. Let's go. Hopefully we're already at 20 wins when it gets there because we beat Wisconsin at home. Do you realize that this was the first game in 13 that was not a tier A game, according to Ken Palm? 12 straight tier A games for Indiana. And that and this was a tier B game because Minnesota's ranked 33rd. Uh, we're still below them in Ken Palm. <laughs> Minnesota yeah. is 13-16. We're 19-11. We're below them in Ken Palm. Whatever. Whatever. Um, oh, there was a funny comment in the chat. 85 Jeff says, if the 95 Bulls put on IU uniforms, they would probably lose to the 2020 Huskers in the Big Ten tournament. These are the kinds of statements that IU fans make about the Big Ten tournament. We all we all That's feel the them, type of confidence that is. That is why one of these years we're going to make an expected run in the Big Ten tournament, and it's going to be awesome. So, but you know, to 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 just put a little bow on that question, you know, whatever the Big Ten tournament, something's going to happen in the Big Ten tournament. We'll wait to see it. I do feel a lot better about this team's ability to do something in the NCAA tournament now. You know, like winning this game tonight was important. You know, like I, I tweeted, like you know, if if this team is a is a serious NCAA tournament team, not just one that's going to like back into the NCAA tournament. This is a game you win, and they did it. They took care of business. And you know, for all the flaws about this team, Andy, maybe the the best thing that you can say about them because it gets said all the time. You know, they have no bad losses, right? Which you know, it was always kind of a weird statement because we certainly have some losses where we've been really bad, but we have no losses to bad teams. But that matters. You know, this team has taken care of business and won the games that they should win. You know, they did it in December when they're playing Notre Dame and Connecticut on neutral court wins. And those aren't that impressive, but they took care of business because if you lose those games, your resume looks so much different. So they've kind of been on the razor's edge, but when they've had to win and when they've had games that they've been supposed to win, they've done it. And there is something to be said for that. So for all the imperfections that this team has, that's impressive. And they're at 19 wins and they're in a really good spot. And now the fact that they are playing more consistently, the fact that the offense, you know, these last couple games looks a little better and you're getting Al, you know, kind of going some and, and it feels like you're a little more multidimensional. That's good. You know, so I, I certainly feel a lot better about it now than I did coming out of that Michigan game. And it's a credit to the coaches and it's a credit to the guys for coming together, believing in what they're doing and minimizing the spurts of bad play. I don't think this team will ever totally get rid of them, but they're minimizing them. They're shortening those droughts. And, you know, it's leading to more successful performances overall, better 40 minutes. And sometimes they win at the end, sometimes they don't, but they're putting better, more coherent 40 minutes of basketball out there consistently. And that's good. You know, they're they're probably playing their most consistent basketball coming down the stretch at the end of the season. And that's what you want to be doing. So Yeah, it's funny that you look at it and you think about, you know, last season how they started to get things together a little bit more toward the end of the season. And I think the common refrain from other fans who are seeing it less positively or just who are more frustrated by things as as we all have been at times is like, why does it take so long uh for everything to get figured out? Um that you know, this year's poor stretch was not nearly as bad as last year's poor stretch. Um, but you see some of the same Jeez. things where it starts to come together 
a little bit toward the end. And it's like, man, where has this been? Where has some of this consistency been? Where has this effort been? And, and you get upset and we all go back and forth about like, well, you know, you shouldn't be talking about effort to this point, all those kinds of things. Nobody's really disagreeing with that. But the reality is that that's where this, this team really is right now. So it is a positive sign that they're getting there and you kind of have to uh, let the other stuff go because it's too late. You know, those games that the opportunity to, to get things to where they are now earlier in the season has come and gone and you haven't done it, but you, you have started to see some good things. You started to see, you know, if you guys really settle into uh, what, what you might've hoped their roles would have been earlier in the season. And um, you, you kind of just hope for the best as you move forward. But I, I do agree. It's one of their more consistent stretches of play. Um, even this team playing consistently is not gonna, is not good enough to win every game. And so even during a stretch of what you'd call solid play from this team, they went three and two. Um, so I, but I think that's kind of where you are with with this group of with this group, and um, as we said tonight, even within the game, was the perfect uh, perfect picture of of what this team really is and isn't all at the same time. Yep. All right. So looking ahead, we'll have assembly call radio tomorrow night. Uh, Ryan will be here. I know it feels like forever ago that Christian Lander committed, but we will do our Christian Lander scouting report. You know, we'll get it's been, you, it's been like a week, which is crazy. But yeah. yeah. So I think so. Co- you're in tomorrow night, right? Uh, I think coach was there. I I did say I could come on if you wanted to. So no, no, that's right. That's right. I think I I think coach is here. So we'll get their thoughts on this game. We'll do our Christian Lander scouting report. Uh, we'll answer your questions. So it'll be a a fun episode. And then IU Wisconsin coming on Saturday. It'll be uh, Chad and Ryan for that game. I'm out. My my daughter's playing soccer now, and she's got a soccer game. So it it starts for me now, Andy. I'm gonna have a. Daughter sporting event conflicts. This is uh this is a first time. Is, Nine years into the assembly slope. call. <laughs> yep. Now we have, now we have Soon two enough, dads. It'll only, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it only it only grow, it only grows and only gets to be more. Yes. Uh, that's, what, that's why I'll be missing the game as well. So. Yes. Or, yes. So but, that that is that is the priority. But as usual, uh, that post game show will start after the senior speeches. So it won't start immediately following the game. It will start after the senior speeches. Uh, Chad and Ryan will be there. Hopefully, coach is not there because that means that they're still uh, playing in the playoffs. So that's what's coming up. Uh, remember, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code assembly20. You'll get 20% off your order there. The most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you will find anywhere. Homefieldapparel.com, assembly20. Um, all right, Andy, last call. Final thoughts on this Indiana victory. Yeah, I'll. I'll- keep this relatively short. I mean, everything that you've, you've done through 30 games at this point is trying to put yourself in a position to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, for this team, we, we said before that was a reasonable goal, despite what was lost from last season and all those kinds of things. That was a reasonable goal. Uh, at this point, this team has put themselves in a position to do that. If you win at home, you win your last regular season game, uh, to me, you lock in a bid, and that's what you're that's what you're playing for. So, uh, I guess despite all the ups and downs for this team, and as frustrating as they have been to watch at times, and as frustrating as they were to watch even at times tonight in a win, uh, everything that they they're trying to accomplish and everything that people said would would result in a successful season is right in front of them. They just have to go take it, um, come out, play well. Uh, they, they played Wisconsin well a year ago, uh, and, and I think. They are playing some of their best basketball at this point, so it's all right there. Just go out and take it. Go win the game. Uh, hoping for a good uh, good game for Devontae on senior night. Hopefully somebody, hopefully Danny Green has an off. He can fly in uh, and be there for that. <laughs> Don't know whether that's in the cards or not, but uh, we'll start a GoFundMe or something that we can uh, 
we can get him there, get him kidnapped at the very least to be brought there, even against his will. I think we're we're fine with whatever that is. But I don't think uh, it's the GoFundMe yeah, that point, would be the difference. I think he could probably afford. That's probably it. true. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, we just want to, you know, whatever whatever you want to do. Oh, well, maybe for the people to kidnap him is what we need the oh. GoFundMe for. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so no, I think that's. Uh, you know, like I said, for all the ups and downs, it's all right there in front of you. So hopefully this team can take advantage of that opportunity, put any doubt to rest uh, about the NCAA tournament and go in uh, feeling feeling good about themselves heading into the uh, Big Ten tournament. And we'll go from there. So we'll find that all out on Saturday. But uh, good win tonight. Good win from a bracketology perspective this team needs. And uh, hopefully they can take advantage of uh, the opportunity that they got in front of them on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I feel good coming out of this game. Indiana took care of business. They needed to. I think at times in this game, you saw some of the limitations of this team. But at other times, more importantly, you saw the growth that they've made. And you saw a guy like Joey Bronk step up and get going. And you saw what makes Trace Jackson Davis such a special player, even at this young of an age. You saw the impact an aggressive Al Durham can have. Um, but, you know, I, I think that really the story, as I reflect more on this game now at the end of the show, the story coming out of this game to me is, is Rob Finnessy. And, you know, I saw Rick Bozich tweet at the end of the game. This was the first time all season long that Rob's had two straight double-figure scoring games. Now, Illinois, it was 10. Minnesota, it was 11. It's not like he's burning up the stat sheet with, with scoring. But you add to that four rebounds and five rebounds the last couple games, seven total assists, you know, only three turnovers in these games. And as we said, you're starting to see a guy maybe at the end of the year develop into the guy that we thought he could be, even the guy that he was at the beginning of last year. And of all the different storylines that could emerge here over the, you know, whatever is left of the season that can really make this Indiana team dangerous and make them a team that could win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament and they can go win a couple games uh, maybe in the NCAA tournament is having that guy at the top of the offense and the top of the defense play like we've seen him play in spurts, but never consistently. And if Rob can become that guy, he really changes, I think, what this team is capable of and how consistent they can be. So really important that he's played 29 and 30 minutes the last couple games. Really important also that they've been productive, aggressive uh, minutes on both ends of the court. And hopefully that's something that continues because it would be massive uh, for this team down the stretch. All right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And again, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow night to talk IU Hoops again with you on Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. (laughs) (sighs) Coach still does not like carrots. All right. Well, good stuff, man. That man. is a we needed yeah, that, that win. That is it's an exhale type win, you know. We had to get that one and we got it. Yep. So I am Yep. Wisconsin was they were tight with Northwestern for a little while, but they're starting to pull away now, it looks like. You know, one thing I'm disappointed about, like we've been with the chat mob for a long time. I don't know, ever since we started doing these shows on YouTube. I feel like we try to do a good job of leading and I still see people citing Joe Lenardi in the chat. And I get it. You know, he's got the bracketology bully pulpit of ESPN. But someday, <laughs> someday there will be no more siding of Joe Lenardi. Uh, when you have Andy Bottoms 
and Delphi Bracketology, and now new bracketologist Mike DeCourcy. Although, to be fair, we don't know Mike's results yet. We'll have to see them. But you have so many assembly call-related bracketologists to pay attention to. I don't ever want to see the name Lenardi in our chat again. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> I will I will say, and I, I said this before, that uh, when I was doing the bracketology podcast, Guess a few years ago, like reached out to him and that position came on, was on for probably as long as anybody and gave me a ton of time, was super nice. So, yeah, definitely a, a very but no, it's yeah, a good I, point. I struggle, I do not know how he has you below so the teams, he has them below as the uh, as the first, you know, in the like the first four. That just, I don't know what he'll have him at after winning tonight, but it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, no, I mean he he to, did a if lot. You really stack for, up the resume to other teams that are around them in there. It just doesn't make sense at all. He did a lot for bracketology and bracketologists. You know, there's no question about it. He does seem like a good guy. His projections just aren't the ones I would cite. <laughs> that's, that's all I would that say. is. A fa- that is a fair point. That if is you're going to go outside of assembly call, okay, I think we've had this question before, but Bracketville, Bracket Guy Dave. Yeah. He's yeah, really he's good. The, yeah, Bracket Guy Dave on, on Twitter. He has him as, uh, what do you have him at today? I think he has him as a nine coming in today. Um, oh, yeah, yeah and Galen. A, Galen does a, brackets. There's another assembly call related bracketologist you can go to. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, Bracketville, he had them at the 35th overall seat today. So, nine pretty safely. So, Good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see the first four. So I think that could have been a legitimate question had they lost tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I would say you beat Wisconsin on Saturday. You exhale. You're definitely in good shape. What is your connection's about to die? So this is probably the last question. What? Um. Yeah. Apparently, it seems to be. It just held out just long enough. So let's say, let's say a reasonable ceiling for what Indiana could do from here on out is beat Wisconsin. And then you're probably going to be in that Wednesday game. So you win the Wednesday game, and let's say you win your Thursday game. That that seems that that seems like a reasonable path this team could take. Anything beyond that is gravy. We'll take it. But how high could Indiana's seed go if they did that? Like, could they get to a seven if they did that, or is that too far? I know it matters what uh, happens around. But. I, I guess. Got re- yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like yeah. This year I preface everything with that, but. Um, yeah, gut reaction. I mean, if they made it as a seven, like they would probably creep on to the seven line as the as the very last one. Um, that feels like a, a little bit of a stretch, but uh, I, I suppose it's I suppose it's possible. That would give them two more neutral court wins. You'd have you'd have to assume that, that whatever you get in the Big Ten tournament would be a quad one win. Yeah, you you might be able to do that if things fell your way. Um, I don't think higher than a seven in that scenario. Maybe. Maybe any scenario, quite honestly, but um, yeah, that's that's probably as good as you could hope for there, dependent upon who you played, how you played, um, all those kinds of things. But I think you could, you know, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't know. There's some people who I know have responded to comments and like I'd rather play in the seven ten game because then you get one of the you know two seeds potentially versus have to face a one in the second round if you win an eight nine game. I don't, I don't really know what's better or worse. It's all dependent upon matchups at that point. Let's just get in. It's been three years. I just want to seed. I want to, I want to get in and nice. for us to be able to do a post-selection Sunday show, which we haven't been able to do in a while. So let's just let's True. get back to that True. normal routine. I want this to feel 
normal again. And normal is making the NCAA tournament. So Yeah, I'm with you. Let's, let's get in. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow night for Assembly Call Radio. Adios. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Real estate agents have the power to adjust their client's approval letter amount in real time using Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So... Do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.